you know they say nice guys finish last oh yeah well had had i moved ricky and you you understand the term had i moved ricky a little more aggressively earlier in the race i i think i would have beat beat chris in the main and knocked him from his however many runs he had at winning peoria Episode 60, Tank Slapping Podcast. Man, I've been away. I've been traveling and haven't had a chance to do many of these. So back in the saddle. Um, episode 60, tonight we got a really, really uh, good guest. One I'm excited about. I don't know a heck of a lot about him. I watched him grow up and and I uh, watched him race, obviously, in the Camel Pro Series. It's none other than Mike Hale. Um, yeah, real excited about that one. Mike Hale. National number 32, really, really fast, flat tracker, went road racing, did the AMA Superbike, was teammates with Miguel Duhamel, or is it Duhamel? We'll have to ask, we'll have to ask him. We're hoping to get Miguel on at some point, but, uh, or maybe maybe Mike will know, but uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but AMA Superbike, teammates with Duhamel, he raced Grand Prix, World Superbike, <clears throat> um, really, really um kind of a different career for Mike Hale. And I'm just really interested to talk with him and, and get some insight on what it was like to race in that era and then go road racing and race some of those guys as well. But we'll have him on in a bit. I want to make sure we shout out the sponsors that make this show happen. Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com to view all of their products. I wear the Race Star Flex. Quality and safety is unmatched. We say it every episode, but look up the ratings. Look up the safety ratings. Look into what you're buying on these helmets, guys. Um, if you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Newest sponsor of the podcast, really pumped on this one. I obviously, um, I run this, I run this brand. I run this motorcycle. It's Yamaha, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile, power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Obviously, I started racing on a Yamaha PW50. My championship I won in 2019 was on the same bike I am racing right now, the Yamaha MT-07. Um, just really happy to have Yamaha support. They support a lot of different aspects of this industry, and they're supporting Tank Slap and Podcast. So shout out to Yamaha for coming on board. Moto America, the next Moto America race is Road America, June 11th and 13th. Make sure you check that out. Get tickets, and if you can't be there in person, subscribe to the Live Plus package. Great, great coverage. They had VIR a couple of weeks ago. Shout out to my boy, Ben Glotti, for getting a win in the Junior Cup. In addition to that, they have the King of Baggers, Hona Superbike, Super Sports, Stock 1000, and the Twins Cup. Check them out. DID Chain, number one leading manufacturer of chain in the industry. All the top teams are using DID Chain. Hit them up on social media. If you need any uh, input or have questions on what to run on your bike, they will help you answer it. Hit them up at DID Chain. Jerry Stinchfield, Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check out Jerry's website, commercialroofsystems.net. Without Jerry, there'd be no, no podcast and, and no flat track series, uh, pretty much. So um, definitely no, it's a, a sincere thanks to Jerry for, for making this happen. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, the official tire of the American Flat Track Series. Check them out, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. They do a lot with support, the amateur programs, 
things like that. So make sure you check out DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. Aim Sports, at Aim Sports Data, the world leader in data acquisition. The Solo 2 and Solo 2 DL GPS lap timer. Look them up. Um, it's a game changer. I use them on my bikes. A lot of top teams and riders are using the, the, the GPS lap timer. So make sure you check that out. If you have any questions on that, hit me up. And then last but not least, good friend of the show and a good friend of mine, Tommy Hanum from Hanum's Harley-Davidson in Media, Pennsylvania, 65 years in business. Check him out on Facebook and on his website, www.hanumshd.com. No further ado, our first guest is on the line. Really excited. Mike Hale, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, dude. Yeah, sorry. For some reason, I was thinking you were California, man, but now it, it um, it's coming back to me. Texas. Dallas, Texas, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Texas boy, born and raised, but I spent a lot of time in California, especially when I was racing, uh, especially here in the States. But Yeah. Well, didn't you ride for, was it Sacramento Harley? Did you ride for them at one point? And I rode for Bartels. Oh, Bartels. Okay, cool. Yeah. Bartels. Yep. Okay. I knew it was a California dealership. So, um, oh, wait, no, where's Bartels? Their Bartels is, uh, yeah, they're, uh, I'm thinking. He's Trump. in, uh, no, Bartels is down in Marina del Rey. That's what I'm thinking. Um, yep. Yeah. Down in Southern California. But, yep. you know, Uncle Bill, he's been, he's a big supporter of the sport and, you know, it, with Springer, that's that Springer was with Bartels forever. So, yep. you know, I was uh, I was a young guy and a rookie, and and then getting the teammate with with Springer, who was one of my heroes, was just awesome. Yeah, Bill Bartel, that's that's a name I haven't heard in a while, man. That's that guy, yeah, legendary. He's done a lot for a lot of guys in the sport. Uh, like you said, Springer yourself. Uh, I want to say the Bostroms. Um, Sean Russell. Yeah, they, they, they've done a lot, but, um, we'll get in that a little bit, man. I just wanted to kind of, yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, <laughs> uh, what does Mike Hale do these days? What, what keeps you busy? So, uh, man, I own a, uh, I'm, I'm primarily an in insurance. I'm also a financial planner, but you know, I'm in, uh, Alito, Texas, which is west of Dallas and Fort Worth. And, and uh married couple of kids and that's what i do these days yeah, that's my motivation to get out of bed in the morning and get to work i love it i love it yeah so um let's kind of start uh i don't i won't go too far we could talk about your amateur career i'm sure quite a bit but let's talk a little bit about that um what uh, you're a tech texan so a lot of a lot of fast guys in that era were from texas we I forget, we just had some somebody from Texas on not too long ago, and we, we were talking about it. Um, well, we had Ronnie Jones on, and we were talking – he's from Oklahoma, and I guess he traveled a bunch to Texas as an amateur. But, yeah, what was what was the amateur scene like for you coming up through, and when did you get started? So, you know, my dad was in the dirt track, and Ross Downs was the main uh, racetrack here in Texas where a lot of the guys – I'm, I'm sure that's where Ronnie started. You know, there's, you can go way back. I'm sure even Kenny senior raced there, but you know, Poovy, even Freddie Spencer, a lot of, you know, big name guys came to Texas and it was an oil dirt track. So when I was, I don't know, I can remember I was probably in diapers walking around in the pits or playing around in the pits with cars or something, three, four years old. I probably 
first race when I was four or five, and that was at Ross Downs, and that was the flat track deal. Um, about the time that I got started riding, uh, they shut that track down, and then Mike Kidd built his track out in Boyd. So it was every Saturday night we were at Mike Kidd's place racing. Yeah, yeah, uh, Ross Downs. I was just at Ronnie Jones's house for a few days staying, and uh, I saw a lot of pictures and heard a lot of stories about Ross Downs. So um, pretty iconic, pretty iconic racetrack. A lot of fast guys have uh, have raced there over the years. So um, yeah, so you know, amateur career, all that. Um, who were some of the guys you, you you raced with? Like who were who were the top guys in Texas at the time? Uh. You know, from Texas, I, man, I, this isn't, I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but I'm trying to think. You know, <laughs> Willie McCoy was a couple years older than me. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it was always like he was on the next size, the next bike up for me. Uh, Scotty Sherb, those guys were a little bit older. Billy Herndon, uh, Terry Poovey, obviously. But um, for me, you know, going to the Nationals, like, 50 cc's up in i think kansas I, I think it was me and pegram it was mainly me and pegram we were we were the guys going for it and i think i know i wanted kansas you know most of the way up i'll give him a hard time because i'm on the microphone but i think he maybe got me in virginia on like 80s or 125s or something growing up but but me and Larry, we grew up since we were little kids racing each other. Yeah, we've had we've had Larry on the show, and shit, I still see him every weekend. The guy just won't quit racing. <laughs> still coming, man. And yeah, so that that's that's so cool. That's that's awesome. Um, he's not. Yeah, I mean back. I didn't mean, back then. Like I mean, Larry's still a good rider, but back then, Larry was quick. Um, you guys both kind of um came onto the pro scene pretty pretty hot like you guys were competitive pretty much right out of the gate so um let's talk about that a little bit uh you know amateur career over what was the transition like for pro and how did it all happen um i know it was it it was novice junior expert type deal for you still right is that was that the, the format yeah it basically was that that format they called novice pro-am um so anyway yeah that was it uh, I think Larry's, he's probably six months older than me, although his fake birth certificates would say different. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so anyway, we were we were novices or pro-ams together. And uh, I don't know, man, we started Daytona over at Memorial Stadium. I think it was one of the first years they had at Memorial. And uh, it, was, it was great. And uh, so... My dad and I were running, we were doing our program, you know, my dad's a mechanic and hell of an engine builder. So I always had really good equipment, which I was so fortunate. And I had some discipline, so I didn't mind getting up and running or, you know, getting in shape. And so we went to Daytona and ran some of the, I think they called them regionals anyway, over at Volusia. I think I won two of the three nights and then we won at uh, Municipal Stadium and, you know, it was able to kind of, that was probably the first time that we got some national or we started getting some support because we won at an event where there were some fast, you know, the experts and in front of the, the big people, the big boys. So, um, 
uh, we were able to go to some more races because resources were a little bit uh, meager and you know we were doing everything we could to try to make as many nationals as we could at that time and and uh, you know I got to go up north and run some pea gravel stuff in Ohio and Michigan and Syracuse mile and all that and you know we were able to win some pretty win at some pretty big events which was you know you grew up in the racing world that's the kind of stuff that you grow up with and wanting to do and train and live and breathe and eat for. And yeah. And, uh, you know, to have those. Was this as a novice, Mike or junior novice? Yeah. As a novice. Yeah. Yeah. As a novice. And then as our junior year, you know, we, we were juniors and, and, uh, same thing. We went down to Daytona and won Volusia and won the, uh, the short track at municipal stadium and, got the season started off right you know and then able to go and win a bunch of nationals that year and win the national win the junior national championship and kind of get a ama plate for the wall you know just kind of build it just builds your confidence i mean you know you're you're racing at that level so yep it's it's your and, and you're getting to race against and in front of people that are your heroes i mean those are your michael jordans and the guys that are on the posters are hanging on the wall I mean, that's all that your whole life you dreamed of getting able to being able to do. And, you know, you're just like living your life. It was great. Well, before I get into kind of the move to the expert ranks, you kind of brought it up and I kind of want to ask now, who who was your guy? Like, who was your, who was your favorite rider growing up? Um, For me, I was, I was a Ricky Grant. I mean, I I grew up in the camel pro days. So I, every one of you guys was, uh, was, was my hero, but I always liked Ricky Graham. Um, I always liked watching him because he could do really good wheelies. I remember as a kid, I, I was like, oh, dude, that guy can wheelie so good. And so I was always a Ricky Graham fan. And um, so, yeah, who, who was your, I mean, growing up in Texas, were you, I mean, was it Poovy? Was it my kid? Like, who, who was your guy? Hey, for me, it was Kenny Roberts. I mean, oh, okay. 100%. I, I grew up, you know, all through the amateur ranks. I rode Yamahas and, if I wasn't, if I hadn't won the national championship that year and wore the number one plate, I wore number two. I had the black and yellow leathers, and you know, Kenny was. I have a picture of me and him when I was like four years old at the Houston Astrodome, and it was, you know, he he was he was my hero if I want to put it that way. Now, Ricky, there's only a few people I'd say three that I raced against. And they did stuff on motorcycles that your mind just goes, damn, how the hell did they do that? <laughs> and Ricky was one of those guys. In 93, when he, when he got his act together and he put it all together, and we were tight. I mean, we were good friends. And, you know, even though he had his off-track stuff, I, he had my respect because he was a hell of a rider. And uh, he did some stuff on a motorcycle. You just say, gosh, damn, man. If I had half that talent, I think I might be able to accomplish something. It was <laughs> him. No, the, my three are him, Scotty Parker, and uh, Anthony Gilbert. Those are three guys that, that did stuff on bikes when we were battling that you're just going, okay, <laughs> that, that defies physics. <laughs> It's funny. A lot of people were probably thinking Gobert, um, uh, but I've heard that from a lot of people. Like 
I've heard, I've heard, a, I've heard Gobert's one of the most talented guys to ever ride a bike. Um, so yeah. a- anybody out there questioning that, that is, that is, I've heard that from some really good accomplished racers. So that's, yeah, this is it's, it's the that. truth. Uh, it's the truth. And, uh, he and I, you know, we were good friends. I haven't talked to him in years, but you know, I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Anthony was very special, man. He had a lot of talent and, yeah. and, uh, he and I got along great. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, going into the expert ranks and, um, was your first ride with Bartels right out of the gate? Like how did that take place? What was your first twin twins ride? No. So, um, so my dad and I did our own deal, like the, the novice and junior. And then, um, so my rookie year, we, we weren't really, you know, we, we were from Texas, so a little bit isolated, but not hooked up with the bigger sponsors. So, uh, we went, we, we bought a night frame and, um, I think Harley offered us some support. So I was able to get, you know, a motor or two and some, and a parts allowance from them. I had, I had support from uh, Lee Wood who had a Harley dealership here in, in uh, Dallas and uh, he's great, great guy. And uh, he was one of the first guys to help support me locally, you know, buying Goodyear tire, paying the Goodyear tire bill on a weekend and stuff like that. So, uh, we, we built our own deal, and, and uh, I think the first twin – we went to Daytona on singles um, our rookie year, made the, made the main event, and, um, you know, got some points. And then the first big bike race was – I think it was Sacramento. It might have been Ascot. But um, my rookie year was the last year of Ascot, so it was really cool getting to do that. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, we just – hell, it was me and my dad, and we just – went out there and showed up and did the best we could do. I think we made the main events. I have to go back and look, but, uh, you know, we, that was it. The West coast stuff. Did you win rookie of the year? I I don't know offhand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take another shot at Larry. Yeah. I'll be for a good year. <laughs> I, I, I kind of remember him talking about that on the show when we had him on, I'll have to go back and listen, but yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. You guys had a pretty stout rookie class. I mean, um, you, Pegram, I'm trying to think of some, what year was that? What, what year was your rookie year then? Was it 90? So I think it was 90. 90. Uh, yeah. Eight, 1990. Um, you know, our junior deal, it was, um, me and Larry were, were pretty consistent, but we had like Andy Tresser. I don't know if you remember his name. Oh, yeah. Yep. 91. Yeah, right. Andy, you know, we had some good guys and, uh, it was a lot of good guys. They're all, it was so cool, man. Cause you're in high school still and y'all are good friends. You know, each other mainly since you're probably five and six years old growing up doing it. So yeah. it was a pretty special deal getting to do that. Yeah. Well, you had a really successful flat track career for, for the amount of years you raced. Um, I, th- I want to say you raced the flat track stuff until 94 um from the stuff that i've read and looked up you had yeah. five five ama um gnc podiums three on the tt and two on the mile um 
any of those stand out in particular, any, any favorite, you know, race or moment during your flat track career? Um, uh, I have a few, I want to ask you about, but I, I want to hear from you first on what, what was your kind of moment for, for that? Um, you know, for me in, in dirt track, I was fortunate to win some of those camel challenges. And that was back when RJ Reynolds was involved in those, those, those camel challenges were at the intermission. If you qualified in the top five or six, you go out there and it was straight up, man. It was wide out, wide open for 10 grand to win. And I was fortunate to, to earn some of those checks. And, uh, but I always, it was like, oh man, I don't even know. You, you might know. I don't even know how many times I finished second in the, in the hey, dirt track national. Um, <laughs> 600 nationals were going on at the same time, which was, it was kind of funky. I don't even know what the AMAs, what kind of what they were doing, but we had the Grand National Championship. Then you had the 600 Championship, and it was the Grand National guys and me, or juniors. And, you know, if you're fast enough as a junior, you can make the big show. And uh, I don't know, I won, I know I won DeCoin. The podium, I think, was, it came down to me and Ricky Graham, uh, but for most of the race, it was me, Ricky, and Chris Carr. And Chris was a hell of a – he was he was really, really good on on the 600. So it was – but for some reason, me and Ricky dropped Chris, and then it came down to me and him, and I ended up beating him. And that was my rookie year on the 600s. And uh, it came way down. I had to go to the last race of the year. I want to say it was in Castle Rock, Washington, at a TT. And that's a hell of a long drive from Texas. <laughs> and I wasn't much of a – well, I, I went pretty good. I actually won the Camel Challenge at Peoria TT. But I didn't race many TTs, which is kind of weird. But we drove all the way up there. And then I don't know if it was qualifying or a heat race or something. I crashed and got a concussion. and. It was funny. We were watching the main event. I do remember this. So it was me, Ricky, Scotty Parker, all of us. We're sitting there watching the main event as Chris won it, and I ended up second in that championship. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all dirt track days. Yeah. What? So the 600 Nationals, I don't know much about them besides basically what you just told me. I know Chris Carr won a, a lot of the races, a lot of the titles. Um, how important were they to you guys? Like, in retrospect to the, the GNC series, like, did you guys take them serious? I mean, um, did it pay well? Like what was the deal with it, with those races? So obviously GNC is the series. I mean, that's what you want to win. That's where the factory guys are for the most part. Um, back then the 600, you know, the fact that you could go race your heroes as a junior and, you know, and put it on a podium or go up there and, and make some money yeah the pay was good it wasn't uh i don't think it was on par with the gnc's like i don't know that harley offered the same contingency for a gnc for a grand national win as a 600 but you know if you had the right serial number on a rotax engine it was a harley you could you could make some contingency money out of 600 national yeah (laughs) i mean that's that's the reality what the situation was but it was, I mean, if you go back and pull the roles, the talent was deep. And 
it's you're a racer, so you're lining up. It doesn't matter if it's in your freaking backyard. I mean, if it's cameras are rolling and money's on the line and you're hungry and this is where you want to go and this is your life objective, then it's going to go down. <laughs> I agree, man. I, I did a, well, I did Savannah this year. It was always the the kickoff on the way down to Daytona and I didn't run the four fifties, but I was watching one of the four fifty classes and it, it paid $125 to win. That was it. And there was these, like these kids, dude, they were just like taking There was four red flags in this, in this race for a hundred dollars. Like I swear if there was a pack of Skittles, they would have just did the same shit. Just taking, they were going crazy. I'm thinking like, do they know it's like a hundred dollars to win this? Like, and, and the season openers less than a week away, it just blew my mind. And it got me thinking like, man, we are some competitive bastards. Like we just, yeah, it like you said, it don't matter if it's, if it counts or if it's in the backyard, uh, it just, it, yeah, it just, it just happens. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's funny. You, you mentioned that. Let me, let me interject right quick, man. <laughs> you, you say that and I had no idea that was a situation, but it's the truth. And so when I was that age, I'd have done the same thing. And you go, you know what, though, at the same time, you know, how can we, how can we make it better? How can we make, man, these kids don't need to be racing for 125 bucks. These kids need to be racing for more money. And, we, you know, we, we need to, uh, I don't know, a concerted effort figured out how to uh, raise more sponsorship how to get some money out there. So, you know, people like me in my position when I was that age, um, you know, I'd, I'd go to high school, I'd work two jobs, I'd mow yards, I'd do whatever I could to make money to afford that because that's what I wanted to do. But man, man, a hundred bucks, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I was younger, I didn't really care. But now that... No, I'm a little older seasoned veteran, I guess I I'm like, ah, eh, is it worth the risk for the reward? I'm always thinking like, well, probably, <laughs> probably not. I just, it's just funny. Cause but yeah, back then I, I didn't even ask, I didn't even ask what the pay was. Like I just wanted the race. Yeah. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, just, it's just funny. Uh, so I, I'm, I talk with Chris Carr quite a bit. He's a, he's a friend of mine lives near yeah. me, kind of like my mentor. And he mentioned, uh, I, I said, Hey man, I'm, I'm, gonna have Mike Hale on the show anything I should ask him and all he said was ask him about the camel challenge he stole from you I think it was Peoria yeah he did <laughs> what, what was that what was that rate, rate I mean what was that like uh you mentioned you won one so that's that's badass but what, what what's he talking about yeah he stole that from me uh I probably should have won two of those I got that Rotax sitting in my garage, by the way, because it brings back good memories. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, you know what? I think, I don't want to say he stole it from me, but one year, oh man, that oh, was 93. And it was when Graham was on his roll. And uh, I had to be careful because I didn't want to be the asshole that knocked Ricky off, right? So, the uh because he was on the roll to kind of win the championship and we were buddies so i i don't know man 
you know they say nice guys finish last oh yeah well had had i moved ricky and you you understand the term had i moved ricky a little more aggressively earlier in the race i i think i would have beat beat chris in the main and knocked him from his however many runs he had at winning peoria but um yeah I think Chris knew that I could that I could have beat him at that race, but um, I was young. I didn't have the race craft and all this stuff. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't I couldn't grasp the big picture as well as I needed to at that time, uh, and uh, I just raised balls out, hundred percent from when the lights went green to the checkered flag. Well, you mentioned a word that I, I use a lot with some of the kids I help out, and it's uh, it's race craft and you know, it doesn't always matter if you're the fastest guy. It's all about who gets to the checkered flag first. So yeah, that's, that's really cool that you bring that up and, <laughs> and you can understand that. Cause a lot of these kids don't get it. They just think that, you know, they have the speed, they're going to be successful. It's like, man, there's a lot of fast guys that have never won shit in their life. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah so that yeah. racecraft kind of develops as you, as you get experience. Well, Hey man, kudos to you for, for stepping up and helping the younger guys. Cause you know, I didn't really have that. And uh, I didn't know any other than just, you know, just balls out and riding off of, of heart. Um, um, if I had to say one thing that that I could put whatever amount of any results I ever got out of racing was just out of heart because that's what I raced on was heart. Well, that that's a big part of it. I mean, I don't know any guy. I mean, I've seen guys that have won without racecraft, but, uh, I don't know if I've seen anybody win without heart. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's always good to, to have. Um, I, so I wanted to transition. You, you, you did a few years in flat track and then you decided to go road racing. Um, what made you decide to do that at that time? Was it opportunity? Um, did you do it? You know, did you just think you were better road racer? Like what, what made that decision for you? No, man, it's, it's actually a pretty funny story. And it's actually a personal connection for me and you that you probably don't know about. So, uh, my dad's from Texas and, uh, he had gone to Daytona. He told me this story later, uh, with uh, Bradley, they had gone to Daytona, and I guess he got killed in the 200. So my dad was always, you know, he he wasn't big on me going road racing. Uh, but when I dirt tracked and I was riding for Bartels, Bartels had an 883 road race program, and he had Trip Nobles and uh, a couple guys. In, I mean, it was a great team, which, you know, as the other side, I didn't really get to know them. And Bill was like, man, you need to come road racing. And, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. So he's, we had a weekend off and he goes, Hey, there's a national up in, uh, in Loudon, New Hampshire. You need to fly up there. Cause Bill's from Bar He's from Boston. Oh, okay. And he goes, I'm going to go. You fly. I'm young. They won't rent. They won't rent me a rent a car or whatever. He goes, I'll pick you up. We'll go up there and, you know, you can ride one of the bikes and you'll do fine. Well, you know, ignorance is bliss. So <laughs> I go up there and he drops me off. He goes, man, I got to run back to Boston. Just come down here for breakfast in the morning and look for the guys in the Bartels, in the Bartels gear. And uh, just tell them who you are. And then you can grab a ride with them to the track. 
<laughs> so like, I was, uh, okay. So, I, you know, it's late at night and, uh, I come down. Well, hell it's, it's uh trip nobles, his brother, Cliff nobles who are solid. I mean, lifelong friends to this day, Yep. but I met him that morning and, uh, Vic Fasola and we jumped in the car and, and, uh, go to the racetrack and they unload all the bikes and I got the spare. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't even know, like, tech inspection. I mean, <laughs> so I, I start wrenching on my bike, get it done, go through tech, do all the stuff. And uh, anyway, the long and the short was I qualified and made the race as AMA National up there. I'd never been the track. Race morning, is it, it's, it's uh, overcast. And so you don't know what you're gonna do. I push it. I push the 883 Sportster through tech, go down, lean against pit wall, go back, get my leathers on, go back down the pit wall, and uh, you know Clifford and the guys are are helping me, but you know they're in a championship battle, so they're they're focused. Well, the race starts. It's in the dry, and during the race, it starts to rain. And I, I don't know. I probably qualified mid-pack. Hell, I never even drug my knee before this weekend. I didn't know what the shit I was doing. So <laughs> we go out. We do this. We're, we're in the race. Well, people start crashing. I'm passing people. We're doing stuff. And I'll text you this picture. I got a picture that's in my office to this day of my first road race. And it's a picture right before the last chicane on the last lap. And it's your dad looking over his shoulder at me and I was coming and we came through that last chicane that I drafted him and passed him and got third at that race. Oh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. What, what year was that? 93. Or, yeah. 92. Maybe I might've been there. Um, I was, I, was you know what? I remember, I remember your dad and I remember strollers. And I remember his dad. I remember the family atmosphere, which yeah. is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask. I saw you did the eight eighty three series, and I was gonna ask if you raced with my dad. <laughs> but yeah. that's that's the story. Yeah, definitely send me that. I, I love seeing that stuff. That's yeah, that's super. It cool. was. I I got I I just got super lucky, man. I'll tell you a lot of my a lot of my story is is luck, and you can Google the definition of luck but that is a lot of my story. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's was a kickstart to your, I guess your road racing career, right? So, yeah. um, so you did the 83 series and then you walked away from flat track. I, I think we said it was 94. What, what happened then, man? Like, I know you ended up getting a super bike ride. Um, what happened from that first race where you didn't know what the hell you're doing, get, getting third, um, and then a couple of years later, you ended up racing. You're you're an AMA Superbike. So give us like yeah. the elevator story on how that kind of happened. So so that would have probably been '92 with your dad and that Loudon, and that was my introduction to road racing. And then yeah, you know what? It may have been '91. Anyway, it's early '90s. So in '90, we'll fast forward '93. Harley puts up some money for the Sportsters deal. And they do like an old throwback to the Grand National Championship where it was, I think it was a 10 race series. 
five AMA Dirt Track Nationals, five AMA Road Race Nationals. Whoever gets the most points is the champion. And they put up some money for it. So I'm like, okay, I need to, I really need to go focus on some road racing. So there's a track in East Texas called uh, Henderson or Oak Hill. And that's where a lot of talent came from, like Schwantz, Kaczynski, Spencer, a lot of those guys. But Corey, you could rent that track for a hundred bucks. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah I, that's what I, if, I mean, it costs more, it costs more to get, to have an ambulance parked there, but you might've been out there getting cows out of the way and scraping shit off the racing line, but that was what the deal was. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So that's what I did. I, I probably spent a thousand dollars and went out there and just did laps, just seat time, just boom, boom, boom. And, uh, we went to Daytona that year. And uh, I knew I'd do good on the dirt track because the first round was municipal. And by, I mean, I checked out, I was leading the damn race by like half a lap and I high sided off of four. I'm like, gosh, almighty. <laughs> and then, so I hardly score any points on the dirt, which I'm expected to do. Well, the next day we go over the speedway and uh, it was Zampak. He was wearing the number one plate at that time. And I knew how to work the draft and dirt track and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I kind of just parked it on him. We were able to break the draft, just make it me and him. Last lap, then he tucked front, crashed, and I won. And I was like, hell, I won the day. The road race national, when I was I, – I just wanted to hold my own on the, on the pavement and win the dirt. So then I think the next race was at Laguna Seca. We went out there. Uh, I beat everybody heads up on that one. And I think Rob Muzzy, who was running the Kawasaki program at that time, I mean, he brought me a two-year deal, at, I mean, that day in the pits. <clears throat> and uh, and then the following week, uh, American Honda, Gary Mathers was running the program, and, and uh, he and Rob Muzzy are good friends. And you know, now that I'm older, I think they probably just talked on the phone every day, like a couple of buddies do, just being godfathers. But anyway, uh, he offered me a deal, and uh, we met. You know, we went back and forth a little bit. The biggest deciding factor was, uh, you know, my my dad, uh, my dad and I, we we had done the dirt track deal together from day one, and my dad was probably the reason. Uh, I had achieved whatever I had accomplished at that point. And uh, Rob Muzzy was adamant that I wouldn't be able to dirt track. And uh, he said he had gone through that with Doug Chandler and he wasn't going to do it again. And uh, it was basically my my dad and my mom's livelihood. And uh, it was a very, very difficult situation to, or situation to be in. So uh Gary Mathers who ran the American Honda deal I said listen I, I I've got a, a great deal on dirt track at that point I hadn't won a national and it weighed heavy on me <laughs> and I wanted to win so he said listen we'll do a two-year deal 94 the first year you can do your dirt track deal keep it with Bartels and uh, the next year, you're just 100% road racing. And 
my dad, his skills were competent, and Gary Mathers, American on, ended up hiring him and flying him at the races to be a mechanic and and do what he did, and he was good at it. So that's the whole reason I went with American Honda. That's why Gary Mathers beat Rob Muzzy, because Rob Muzzy was platting out going to World Superbike at the time. Scott Russell was a world champ, you know, and it was like a very direct path, and that was what I wanted. At that time, I think World Superbike probably carried more water than GP. So, it, you know, it had more popularity and – and, uh, you know, Gobert and Russell were whipping ass on the Cowie. So it was very, you know, it was enticing. But the Honda deal, uh, that was the background. So then I was able to dirt track the ones that didn't conflict with the road. The road race was priority. Dirt track was second. And it was the fact that we could, that I could still dirt track that I signed that deal. Yeah, well, I looked it up, and you won a couple of the AMA Superbikes. I don't know how many you won, but I know you were teammates with Miguel, and I'm going to ask you. Um, I'm supposed to have him on the show here soon, but is it Duhamel or Duhamel? How do you say his last name? I call him Duhamel, but Duhamel. just call him Miguel. You'll be good. Okay, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> so, Miguel, you and Miguel were teammates, and that was when he was, like, crushing it. He was – just, just kicking everybody's ass and you beat him a lot. Um, you kind of made him, you were the only guy really to kind of beat him, um, at the time, uh, and, and you won a few races. So yeah, some, yeah. some success really. What did you finish in the points? I mean, you were right. You were there the whole time. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I finished second in the championship to him. Uh, we kind of had some, no, it was a great year, man. Miguel is awesome. We're friends this day. He's a great, great guy. And a hell of a hell of a rider, obviously. Look at his stats. But um, you know, I I jumped out early in the championship, early in the year. You know, I won early, consistent early, and uh, I'd never been in that position. So I had to pay attention. You know, it was like, all right, you're gonna you're gonna finish first or second. Well, you're leading the championship by however many points second you know you're 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 kind of playing a chess game i guess but uh we got down i want to say it was two two races left in the year we're up at, at uh, sears point and i don't know man you guys can look up stats but i was ahead in the championship i was leading it say i was leading it by 10 or 20 points and uh I had, I was leading the race. I broke it. I was out, had a comfortable lead, and the transmission ate itself. So I went from, you know, a first place and good points to DNF and nothing. And we went to the last championship, to the last round in Phoenix. And uh, I think I was down by, I don't know, 10 or 20 points or something. And I had to win, and Miguel had to finish, you know, probably fifth or worse which hadn't happened all year so i just i don't know all I, all I could do is focus on what i could control and or what i could do and i went out i won the race and miguel got second and he got the championship and that was how that deal went down yeah yeah i mean like i said at that time he was the guy and you kind of came in and and uh and gave made it a series like you, you know you made it made oh, it competitive yeah. so 
Um, so I always thought that was really cool. I didn't know much about your road racing career until recently. I, I just started kind of trying to find film, man. You can find some really good flat track coverage on YouTube, but it's, it's pretty, it's a lot harder actually to find road races from that time. Like I can't, I can't find anything that's like good footage of the, uh, early super bike days from the nineties. So, um, but yeah, so, so you you did that whole gig, man. And then, um, I'll kind of fast forward a bit, but you did, what was it wild two wild card rounds at Laguna, um, world Superbike. I want to say you got two seconds or a second and a third. Yeah, I got on the podium and, uh, that was what, that's what got the attention and, you know, from the international level, mm-hmm. you know, cause you know, you beat Fogarty and some of the guys that were the world champs at the time. And, uh, you know, that's just how it went. And then, you know, I, to be honest, I really wanted to st- stay with Honda <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we just kind of, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I don't know. I think they were bullshitting about the. They they didn't believe that I was getting the offers I was getting. Uh, but I'm kind of a face value guy, I'm not a bullshitter. So yep. it was kind of that that type of situation, and ended up having to go the route I went, or not having to go. Let me back up. Going the route that I went because right. it was you know to go to be in Troy, you know, and I had known Troy Corser. He was going to be my teammate, and. Uh, in my contract, I was supposed to have factory Ducati equipment and all that stuff. But, you know, Troy was a good dude, and I talked to him a lot. I mean, I had offers from all – I mean, I had a lot of options at the end of that year. So, it was it was one of those deals where I really wanted to do my homework. I wasn't just – yeah, I never made any money racing motorcycles before. Sure, I wanted to make some money. Even yeah. when I wrote for – even when I did Smoking Joe's deal – you know, you'd, you'd freaking laugh if I told you what I made as a salary on the deal. That's the truth. Yeah. You know, con- considering what my teammate that I was beating, cons- you know, that just what the market was and what I was riding for, it didn't correlate. So when it was time to correlate, that was why I wasn't staying where I was, unfortunately. Yeah. And to be honest, 100%, however many freaking years it is later, that's where I wanted to stay because that's what I knew. My team, my friends, Merlin Plumley, Bobby Windor, my mechanic, you know, my guys. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Once you, yeah. I mean, you, once you, I mean, you're not, you haven't road raced your whole life. So you're getting used to those racetracks and you're getting used to the bike. And then, and then you have to, I mean, dude, honestly, that's, that's really cool that you, you understand your value. I, I'm big on value as well, man. I really am. And, I'd rather respect my value than to, than to go another route where, where that value is not respected. So, um, I think, I think that's amazing that you took that, you took that gamble and you, you, um, had enough respect in yourself to, to kind of go after it. Um, and you did well, I mean, it wasn't like you, you didn't do well in world Superbike. You consistent top 10 finishes. Um, and that's, you know, jumping that's fucking, it's going, you're going overseas like that. It's, it's crazy. Like what was the hardest part about it? I'm sure the correct answer is everything, but, um, what was that like? Like that European uh, racing experience? Look to me, that was my life goal. My hero is Kenny Roberts. He was world champ. I didn't give a shit what it took. That's what I wanted it to be. And, 
the reality of it is, is there's a lot to it, man. And the politics, the political side of the world level is what um, I, I wasn't able to, you know, I, I just, I wasn't ready for that, I don't guess. And that's okay. You know, one thing that I love about today is that they have, they have the, uh, the tires, you know, everybody's on the same tires. You got your, spec everybody tire. is on the spec tire and I would have loved to have had that. <laughs> Honestly, because, I hear that a lot from Kenny Robert. Yeah. We, we had Kenny Roberts on, I've had Kaczynski on and they all talk yeah. about, well, I didn't really have a rival as a rider, but I hated all the bastards that had Michelin or I hated all the guys <laughs> on Hondas. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it was like that. You hated the, hated the tires. <laughs> so, um, it's yeah, funny that, it's, yeah, you mentioned it too. That's crazy. Well, I'm not, it's not that I hated tires. The situation is the tire manufacturer could dictate who would win on Sunday. And I didn't really understand that. I, I'm, I want to say we were at Assen the first year I was in world Superbike. I don't know. And uh, I had a great crew chief. I was on probably my third or fourth crew chief that year because it was getting paid. And so I had a great Italian crew chief named and uh, he did, he, he is under the table shit. And he's like, all right, I got you a tire for qualifying. And you go back and you look, I qualified on the front row. The problem was I qualified my teammate, Troy Corsair, who's leading the championship. And then the next thing you know, you're getting... <laughs> You're getting rebuked. So <laughs> there is a lot of freaking politics. And oh, I'm not man. taking one thing away from Troy because he he 100% deserved that championship. 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's still still got to be frustrating a little bit when you are when you feel like you're, oh, yeah. you are you could ride as, as good as you can and you're kind of handcuffed a little bit. No, I've heard, I've heard that. I've heard that. I've heard the, uh, the politics side is – another aspect of being successful overseas as a racer. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's more than just, like I said, being fast, there's other things you gotta, you gotta figure out. So, um, yeah, no, I, dude, it's the journey you've had is just incredible. Um, it's awesome to hear it from you. What, uh, do you follow the sport at all today? Do you flat track road racing? Any, any of the, any of the, you know, different forms, you know, I, uh, I try to keep up with it. Um, I definitely keep up on the, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I keep up more on probably the GP and a little bit on the World Superbike, the the Moto America stuff. You know, uh, when I rode GPs for Kenny Roberts, Chuck Aslin was our team manager. And, and with him, his involvement with Moto America and the U.S. Series and Wayne. I really, uh, you know, I'm paying a lot of attention to that. And hopefully, I, you know, Cam Bobier this year uh, has really done a hell of a job in Moto2. And uh, I hope that that's opening some eyes because, you know, on the GP level, the, you know, those guys haven't even looked at America for a while for a rider. And... Cam showing up and doing 
what he's doing on the level of machinery he is, is respectable. And so, you know, from, from an American standpoint, man, I really, really hope that uh, it helps open some eyes and some avenues for, for these guys that are, I guess they're growing up in the Wayne Rainey Moto America era. Yeah, no, I, I'd have to agree. Yeah, with with everything you said, the uh, I'm a big Moto America fan. I, I watch it all. I actually watch Moto. I watch every single Moto America. The the GP stuff. I I enjoy what they can do, and I like watching it. But man, it's it's so technical. Like I just can't. I just don't understand a lot of it. Um, but obviously, when Marquez basically basically crashes and doesn't crash, obviously I'm like, dude, that was Ooh. that was awesome. But um, yeah, what about flat track? Have you what's the last flat track race you've been to? I mean, you kind of left that left that behind. Like, did you did you race anymore after you went road racing? I mean, what was yeah, like what's your what's your last last flat track experience like? <laughs> I I wanna say my well, so I went road racing and then uh at the end of my second year with Honda, they were good with me doing uh I don't know if we did Sacramento. <laughs> Yeah, Sacramento, maybe maybe Springfield, but anyway, I rode. Um, they they dusted off one of the RS seven fifties. I think it was Bubba's old bike in the museum, and uh, Ray Plum uh, massaged it, and we went to the track. And yeah, I, I want to say it was Springfield and Sacramento, and I, I don't know where I finished. Man, sixth, fifth maybe top five. Um, and that was probably my last race at Sacramento. I think I got fifth or so, but yeah. I don't, I mean, I don't want to misspeak, but I think that was the deal. And then I had a really good offer to, with Ducati to go over there. And that's when I left and went to world Superbike. Okay. Have you, have you been to a race, like even been to a race since then or? Yeah, I went to, uh, Matter of fact, I went out and watched it rain at, at uh, TMS when you guys were down here last weekend. Oh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 we were there. I, I wish I, dude, I wish I knew you were in Dallas. I would have hit you up, but uh, yeah, 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 that sucked. That was a long drive for five laps uh, of practice, but. No kidding. It's uh, still raining. <laughs> I'm sitting here on my back porch. It's raining right now. Oh man, uh, <laughs> dude! I hope we go back. I like that track a lot. Did you go? Did you go there when we were there a couple of years ago, or the last? Yeah. Been there? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep, I've been there. Um, you know, I have good friends in the series still, and you know, obviously, and I watch. I I haven't watched uh, from Chicago. Uh, you know, I got I got the subscription or whatever to watch the races but i didn't catch that race the other day so i'm not sure how that one panned out but oh it was good man you gotta watch the gotta watch the production twins class <laughs> yeah did <laughs> you was, win it was good man no i just gotta, gotta check it out i, I don't want to spoil okay. it no it was good okay it was, okay the fans uh they really they really like the event though that that race so yeah definitely definitely check nice it out. yeah no, nice it's good um no that's awesome I'm, I'm glad to hear you're uh you come to the races still we, uh you just go sit in the stands have a beer and just enjoy it right i mean that's yeah that's I'm, I'm a little jealous <laughs> <laughs> well i mean so normally i'll have my my son or daughter or, you know we'll go and 
have some fun and just go catch up with friends for to for me you know flat track was my family and i grew up that way and unfortunately you know we're kind of you know things things progress and people move on but uh, um you know like kenny talbert he's based down here and we've been friends for a long long time and you know i got to see him and and then uh you know just just the guys that are still involved but there may they may not be the face on the program or you know they may just be the guys changing tires or gearing or whatever i got a lot of friends in that in there that to me, it's the camaraderie and getting to see friends. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I, I love – I say I don't love the guys. Like, obviously, I, it's, a, it's a love-hate. It's a family-type deal. Like, you know, you, you get tired of, of them. But when I get there, I, I enjoy – the people I only see at the track, it's like, yeah, I got to go over and talk. And then before I know it, I'm chatting – none of my shit's ready. My helmets aren't ready. And, and they're calling for riders meeting. It's like, ah, oh, shit, I got, I got to, I got I to get this shit done. So yeah, dude, I, I, I'm with you hundred percent. It's, it's one of them things you without racing. I, I, yeah, it's just my whole life. So, um, yeah, but I got a few, our last segment we do, it's called the high low line, basically a this or that. Um, I have a couple for you. So Pick one or the other if you want to give an explanation. I kind of wrote these down as we were talking. Um, you gave me some, <laughs> some ideas, but um, more talented rider, Ricky Graham or Kenny Roberts? Well, I never raced Kenny Roberts. Uh, I told you Ricky is one of the most talented guys I've ever raced against. Kenny's one of my – he is my hero. Uh, All right, let's go. Uh, let's go Ricky or Scotty. Ah, shit. Man, Scotty's got more accolades, and Scotty is one of my top three, so Scotty. Scotty, yeah. Uh, would you rather win a World Superbike Championship or a Grand Prix race? World Superbike or GP? Yeah, GP win or World Superbike title? Mm, man, that's a good one. So... When I did World Superbike, World Superbike had, held more water than GP. That's crazy. So, so whenever I did that, I would have said, hell yeah, 100% World World Superbike title. It's uh, crazy how that nowadays, works. Nowadays, yeah, it is. But now, man, they've done a hell of a job. They've turned it around. Their marketing's great. So now, if I was a racer and that was my livelihood, I would say win a GP race because – you'll have a pick of your world superbike seat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Like the world superbike championship, I've seen errors where it was really like bad and then really good, really bad. Now it's pretty stacked again. I watch a uh, girl off and those guys over there and Johnny Ray. And I'm like, damn, there's a pretty stacked grid. Chaz Davies. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty stout. Um, but obviously the guy that finishes last in, in MotoGP is still phenomenal. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's one it's, thing people don't uh, understand. It's like, yeah, that, that guy got last, but he got last in MotoGP. So he's still a bad dude. So, so, so the guys in GP right now, the guy finishing last, you know, he may have been the Moto2 or Moto3 world champ last year. It's kind of, you know, you're like, okay. Yeah. And, and even, 
the world level, even on World Superbike, because there's a discrepancy on their equipment or tire allocation or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Those guys at that level, man, they really are the, you know, they're cream of the crop. And yeah, the top, the top two, three, they're going to always rise to the occasion. You're always going to have those, you know, your Rossies or your Marquezes or your Johnny Rays or your Fogarty's. Those, you know, those guys are going to be able to get the most out of the equipment and the rules that, you know, that they're dealt or, you know, that they're given. So there's always going to be an elite division. But the difference in that top crew is really, really minuscule. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt about it. Um, I got one more and then I got a follow-up question. Uh, who's the faster Texan, Ben Spees or Colin Edwards? Well, I'd say Colin Edwards because I think Ben's from California. Ah, uh, you're right. Golly, all these people moving around. I, I keep forgetting. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Chris is from California too, man. He's uh, yeah. Uh, all right, all right. So, eh, try to think. <laughs> Edwards. Who the hell else? There's a lot of Texans. Well, that's not a fair. I was gonna say Freddie Spencer, but that's so different. Well, Freddie. Well, hey, technically, Freddie's Louisiana. Yeah, golly, I give well, up. Well, you got Swans. Swansy. Well, that's dude. Yeah. Okay. You got Kevin. You got Colin. I mean, there's there's some fast Texans, but yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. You know, it's these days and and with GP. Uh, you know what, man? You should get Colin. Have you had Colin on your deal? I haven't. I have not had yeah, Colin. You need to get him. On He's on the list because you need to get him on the list. I'll shoot him a text, okay. but you need to, you need to get him on there because he has way more insight on that level, and uh, and he'll shoot you straight. So he'll be a good interview. He's nice. good. Yeah, no, that'd be <laughs> that'd be sure. awesome. Yeah, we'll for get, sure get him on. Ah, uh, da da da. What do we got here? Well, uh, I was gonna ask. Um, yeah, I'll go with this one. Who is winning the MotoGP title this year? Man, God, it's hard to bet against Quartararo because yeah. he's got it. I guess he got his arm pump situation sorted. Um, you know, a bunch of my old crew from when I was in GP are Vinales guys. So, mm, okay. yeah, I'm a little bit partial to him, but I don't know if you watched the deal last weekend. I heard Marquez did. It was like, yeah. man. Uh, if you're a writer, you're kind of like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I heard. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's yeah. Fabio is probably, I think he's probably the, that's, that's who I'm thinking. He looks he is, really, really, he's really, he's pretty strong, man. It, I mean, mentally, yeah. uh, that bike is well balanced when you look at the tracks and where they're going. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I got, I have a lot of friends my old team manager when I lived in Italy. I mean, it's like my, a lot of my guys and my, my, my people are over there at Ducati and uh, that bike is a freaking missile. Yeah. Um, and I really like Jack Miller. Same. I mean, yeah, he's a hell of a talent. It's so, uh, you know, it's, it's, you, you look at the championship and you look at the tracks and you look at strengths, weaknesses and what they have. And you're like, man, It'd be hard to bet against uh, Quartararo. 
Yeah, I'm a Jack Miller fan. <laughs> like the more I yeah, listen yeah, to his yeah. interviews, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I never met him, but he's he flat tracks over there, and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of guys like are friends with him, Max Whale, and some of those guys that race over here, and they say he's he's freaking awesome. So yeah, yeah, big Jack Miller fan. Uh, I I got one more, and I'll let you go. Anybody out there today, and that you watch either flat track road racing whatever series anybody remind you of yourself um like a young mike hale or anybody maybe the rider you enjoy watching the most maybe flat track road racing oh man maybe you demeanor did, you, do, you, do, you do a good job that's a good question <laughs> and and i i don't want to be an asshole it's just hard for me to well it's really a, on the spot I, I, here here's what it, here's one that's recent and and i'll and i will go with is uh dallas okay i think uh i think you know we talked at uh the texas round and i didn't realize that his father had kind of followed my deal and uh you know he's my old national number so Mm, yep you know i didn't realize that so that's pretty cool and kind of special oh yeah yeah he's fast you know i think uh you know i don't know the the backstory and the background and and all that that you get into when you're trying to figure out somebody or their psyche and that kind of deal but because i don't know his background but i'm pretty impressed with his obviously results speak for themselves but him and his dad and our brief interaction i was I was pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. They work their asses off. I I've said it before on here. I, I got a lot of respect for, for him. Cause at that age, when you're that young, you know, guy, guys are more interested in girls and partying and what they're wearing and how cool their shoes are and riding groms. And, um, Dallas is just strictly, he just wants to win and, uh, and it pays off cause he's, he's a champ already. So, um, yeah, yeah. can't, can't go wrong with that. Yeah. Mike, uh, I, <laughs> yeah, sorry yeah. about that. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, no I was going to say, uh, you know, I didn't really, I don't really know a lot of the background, but I would say that's, that's probably it because me and my dad, you know, me and my dad spending all that time and him and his dad and putting it in and no bullshit, you know, like you got your mind on a, you're focused on a goal and what you want. No, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, man, I pre, I, this was awesome. I had a lot of fun with this interview. I, I didn't know what to expect. I, I don't know if we've ever met or I've ever talked to you, maybe when I was little asking for an autograph or something, but, uh, yeah, this is awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and maybe we'll see you at a race soon. I don't know. I don't know what you're doing the weekend of OKC, but that's, I think it's in three weeks. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. You well, I talked to Ronnie. Uh, we played golf together, uh, week or so ago and he was telling me about it so you know it's, it's not that far it's like three hours away so i i mean i enjoy it man this was my i mean dirt track was what i knew that's what i grew up doing so if i get a chance to do it i'm, I'm or go check it out that's what i'm gonna do oh nice i just i just stayed at ronnie's for a few days before i i came home so yeah he's uh, he, great. he's a good guy yeah it was a lot of fun yeah so. Yeah, wow. for sure. He's a great guy. <laughs> hey, man, I want to tell you, I really, really. So when I got on the road racing series, your dad was wearing the number one plate. 
And so he was the, he was the one with the target on his back and, you know, he dirt track before and I was a dirt tracker. And so whenever I was in the road race pits, he was a familiar face. And I just wanted to let you know, man, I have a lot of respect for your daddy. I appreciate that, man. I really do. I, I love hearing that those stories. When I saw you were, you did the 883 stuff. I was like, oh man, I, I'd, it'd be st- I'd be stoked if he, if he raced with him and yeah, just to hear those stories, uh, made this interview even better. So thanks again, Mike. We'll, uh, I got your number. If you can send me over that photo and, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. hundred percent. I'll do it. All right. Catch you later, man. Thanks again. All right. You too. Talk yep. to you later. Later. Bye. Mike Hale. Wow. That was, I did not expect that. That was awesome. That was one of the most fun interviews I've had on this pod. So yeah, you guys, uh, I hope you, you, wow. A lot of info, a lot of uh, emotional stuff there. That was awesome. But moving on, we want to bring on, we want to obviously bench race a little bit, talk about the weekend, talk about what's going on in the sport. I've only done like two pods over the last month because I've been traveling, but want to bring on, <laughs> he's just becoming a, a regular thing. Andrew Butler, what's up, man? Well, not much. I'm glad to be back as uh, your, your co-host again, I guess. <laughs> Are you though? Are you glad? What's that? I said, are you, though? Are you glad? Oh, yeah, it's not too bad, actually. I kind of like it. Yeah. Well, dude, coming off the the dub, um, if you're going to win races after being on the pod, I mean, it's not a bad thing. To, it's not a bad routine, right? Yeah, we might have to make a habit out of it, if that's the case, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the thoughts on – see, it's so hard for me to talk about – like by myself talk about the race weekend. Cause I, I really don't, I'm not that guy. Um, but what were your thoughts on Joliet? I was honestly, I was expecting the track to be a lot different. I didn't think it'd be as slick as it was. So personally for me, I, I was expecting, and it was small. I thought the track was so small. I didn't think I got there. And I, before we even went out, I added two teeth. I was like, shit, this is way smaller than I, I remember, but I raced there in 07, so I like I don't remember anything. But what were your thoughts? Man, I, I totally agree with you on uh, the track being smaller. Um, I mean, they called it a half mile, and I was expecting you know a full on half mile, like Lima size or whatever. But uh, it was definitely smaller. Um, not not too bad though. I mean, I, I liked it. I thought the track was really cool, and I find it funny that you say you were surprised by the surface because I think we talked about it before, but. Uh, I mean, if you watch that video on YouTube of, uh, I think it's the 1998, correct me if I'm wrong, yep. race they had there. Yep. And I, I thought it was pretty funny that the tr- the track and the way it developed over the day and into the evening was <laughs> pretty much identical to what they had in the video and the way that riders talk in interviews in the video. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I've I know we've talked about it on the phone, but they they said they resurfaced it they say all these tracks say they resurfaced these tracks and they're all this like i never notice anything different uh, i'm like oh really fucking same as same as i've seen it but um yeah i mean if you just watch that video from 98 it was pretty damn close but being there in 07 looking at photos um i watched a quick clip somebody sent me of nicole winning her semi yeah, yeah. It was not a. It, it wasn't grooved up. It, it you know we were kind of running a little bit higher on the racetrack, and when we ended up going out, we started out the track was real, real like tacky, but kind of inconsistent. 
And then the semis, uh, everybody watching the semis were shit. I mean, it was single file around the bottom. Nobody could go up high on the racetrack. I was thinking like, man, this is going to be a boring race for the fans. Um, I, I hate it. Like I go good on those kind of tracks, but I hate it because it sucks for the fans. Um, I'm, I'm pulling my inner Kenny Roberts, man. The, the biggest thing we got to do is put on a show for the fans. That's what I take a lot of pride in. And thankfully when the sun went down, the moisture, I guess, kind of came up a little bit and it was racy. I talked to Chris Carr. I talked to Ronnie Jones and everybody's like, man, that was like the best race of the year with how, how many different lines there were. And, um, everybody was in within like a 10th, like the fast guys were all running really similar lap times and yeah, it was good. The fans loved it. Um, so that, that ended up being good. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. And I think it's funny, you know, like you said, talking about tracks resurfacing, uh, and then you go there and it's, it's like the same. It's funny. Like if they don't go to a whole nother state and get dirt, it's almost like, you know, what do you expect resurfacing your track? It's going to be the same, same kind of clay, but, but, uh, no, I agree. Uh, it was awesome. It actually reminded me a bit of, uh, Volusia from last year. Um, you know, when, when like the singles and, and even the production twins and super twins were able to move up the track and you had, you know, three wide moments and a lot of side-by-side racing. Um, I thought it was great for that. And I thought that, uh, yeah, the track changed for the mains, but it, I think it changed for the better. Um, and then I thought the racing was actually yeah. pretty good in the semis. I mean, I know, you know, the follower leader groove is kind of boring, but, you know, I got to watch just a couple of semis here and there in between, you know, making sure we were ready. And, uh, I saw some pretty, uh, racy moments out there. Some, some big time passes moves going into the <laughs> in corner. In a different way. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely different, but it kind of, you know, it gets everyone off the seat for a moment. Like, Oh, is he going to make that fast? So yeah, I saw some cool ones. Yeah. Um, but no, it, it definitely, it definitely uh, was a good track. You could definitely be a dick um, in the semis. Like you, you could, could definitely yeah. run it up, park somebody. And I was kind of nervous for that in the main event. I'm like, all right, this is uh this could get dicey, but yeah. Did you, uh, uh, did you see the Bronson's move on Sammy there in the first semi? Yeah, man. Oof, that was, that was awesome. <laughs> that, good for Bronson, man. Like for not being pushed around. Um, not that Sammy, I don't think Sammy did anything first. No, no. Um, well, he did it to Jared too. Uh, actually, Jared got his, he got his lunch packed in pretty hard on that. I think it was the Mission Foods Dash. Um, yeah, he got his lunch money ripped out of his hands on that one. That was a really uh, aggressive dash for cash. And he kind of got the, and unlike me, unlike Meese fashion, he sort of got um, got the raw end of the deal on that, uh, that aspect. But yeah. yeah, it was good. I, I, I enjoyed watching the classes. Obviously I was pumped for Maxi to get a win. I, I told him, I'm like, bro, if you don't start winning these fucking races, I'm going to have to jump on that bike. We're going to have to lower <laughs> it six inches and I'm, I'm going to have to, and uh, he's like, you, he's, uh, so, I think Trent was like, you ain't going to ride a single. I'm like, yeah, you're right. There's not a shot, but yeah, uh, <laughs> nah, that, that was awesome. It was about time and there's many more to come. I'm sure. But, um, yeah, it feels good. It was your first win and as a as a tuner in a long time, right? Yeah, the two years since uh twenty eighteen with Colby. So Yeah, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, you 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 did some good. You you changed the plastics and got it all tiled in. Yeah, I, was, right. I was I was I was loving the caption game on uh on social. That was awesome. 
Yeah, it felt good. It's uh, like you said, it's been a while, and um, I've, I've had some rough, uh, a rough go here for the last two years. Uh, not anybody's fault, but just uh, not having a whole lot of luck. And you know, got got with the, this team and Max, and I was confident that we were going to do well. And uh, Max is an, an exceptional rider, and he's you know been dealing with the typical you know getting on a new big team the the pressure and, and the nerves and the anxiety and uh he's he's been getting a little better every week and i think he finally made it over that hump this week and uh it, his focus was there all day and uh i could i could almost tell from when you know he showed up to the track like the the mood he was in or whatever you want to say just 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 the way he was carrying himself that it, it, it could be his day because he just he was there you know so uh yeah it was, it was great it was great and it was good to good for me to get you know a win and, and make myself feel like uh I, I actually might know what i'm doing and <laughs> so yeah it was good <laughs> yeah and then briar grabbed the win so that was that was good for briar to you know they made it seem like he hasn't won in four years but um yeah i, I don't even know how many races it's been it hasn't been that many but yeah, yeah i don't understand that was get it, back that's his first this year isn't it though and, yeah we've only had three races though and he's yeah. i want to say he was on the podium twice so it's yeah not it's like, not he, like he hasn't been there yeah <laughs> i mean it's it's the narrative that they have to play to uh to to make it entertaining but no he's back on top obviously he's you know I, I expected it honestly once he he kind of fucked his semi though he got he was bad in his semi and worked his way up i think he was on the second row in the main event so yeah um i wasn't quite wasn't quite sure about it in the main and ended up ended up getting the job done and obviously there was a couple um a, a lot of chaos went on in that main event uh Meese and robinson got tangled up and i people were asking me what i thought i didn't i was on like, I don't, I'm, I try to be as fair as possible, like whoever it is, whatever the situation is and where the accident took place in turns one and two, I was in three and four. I, I couldn't see it. I didn't watch the replay. I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, I do th maybe think that Jared not having full strength in his left leg, it, it, it could have made a difference there. Like when you're trying to pivot the bike, the turn, and you just can't put that weight on that, on that knee you know, that absolutely could, could have been, um, a factor in that whole deal, but, um, yeah, it, yeah, totally, could. it totally could. And, you know, in a moment like that, you know, when you're racing, I'm sure he wasn't thinking, Oh, my knee, am I going to be able to get this bike to go where I want? I'm sure he was full steam ahead trying to make the pass. And then, you know, when it, when it couldn't go exactly the way he wanted, I mean, it's unfortunate he got into Brandon, but it just happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. So it, that was a good, a good race for that class, uh, for a while. And then Briar kind of slowly checked away, but the production race, man, it was, it was awesome it, in the fact that there was so many riders at the front of that race and it was, God, it was, it was, <laughs> it was interesting. I, uh, I didn't get a good start. I was super bummed. Like I took off and all I could think of was like, damn it. I didn't get a good start. I was so pissed about my start for the first two laps, I was kind of like dozed out of the race. I was so pissed. I, I had it in my head. I was definitely going to get a good start and it didn't happen. So, um, yeah, so one of them things, but it was a good race. Uh, Chad was riding really well and it, I had a lot of fun. It was, it was good for me. I was emotional afterwards because I just didn't like that racetrack. And in, in all honesty, it wasn't a track I was pumped on and to, to kind of dig through it and, and do well, 
um, I was just pumped and wins at this level are not easy. And I understand that. So anytime you can win, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be emotional. Cause I know how hard it is. Um, a lot of guys, when they start winning, they win races or they win one or two, they lose that excitement. But I love like Marquez when he wins, he's freaking pumped every time. And I just, yeah, I just, same deal. I just, I knew, I, I knew the challenge, what it, what it was for me. And, and then the win it, it was, it was really, really awesome. I, I, obviously it was, it was a good one for me. So. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say you were having an off day, but it just didn't seem like you were at the very top, you know, in qualifying or uh, even the semi. And I thought, you know, I, I thought it was cool to see the, was it all four of the Harley guys qualifying in the top four uh, at one point? And they did. The just first kinda, one, yep. Yeah. And then, then Eslick coming out of nowhere, winning a semi, like it was, it was crazy. I had Dude. no idea what was going on in that class, but uh, the main <laughs> event, like same thing. I, I I didn't get to really see it. Uh, I was in the back, you know, keeping an eye on, on Max's bike and the tire warmers getting ready for us to line up. But uh, I was watching it on my phone on the uh, the timing and, I saw you like creeping your way up, like every lap, it seemed like you were another position higher. And the next thing you know, you're, you're in the lead and I can hear Dubler shouting your name. So yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. And then you guys dicing it up, uh, you know, back and forth a little bit, given the, the crowd, what they wanted to see, but yeah, it was good. It is hard to race. Like I'm friends with Chad. We go way back. It's hard to race a friend for a win Cause you just don't want to, and I don't have very many friends that I raced with. So, um, it, it's, it, it ended up like being tough for me because, um, yeah, you just don't race. I mean, we rode super clean and, and I don't run in like last year, me and Raspoli, we had a really good race at Atlanta and we were battling for a title and I just don't see any reason to have to race like that. I mean, there's guys they'll stuff you in practice. They'll pull some dumb shit in the semi. I mean, you just watch, you can see those riders that do that kind of shit. And I've learned from Chris Carr, if, if you need to hit somebody to pass them, you're, you're not faster than them. So yeah. I, I'm more methodical. I like to set them up. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's all on the line and I need to, I need to go for it, I'm going to go for it. But um, I just take a lot of pride in being able to set guys up and, and race them clean because, and I hope the riders see that, like when they're racing me, I hope they give me that, that respect back because uh, I, I give it to them. So it's, yeah. uh, it is tough though when you're racing a friend it's like shit man like i want yeah. this bad it's hard to hard to separate it you know the friendship from the yeah. racing but yeah i think chad uh i think his personality and then you know his friendship with you i, I think if you were to get into him he would know you probably didn't mean it and then he'd probably give it back to you anyway in the next corner but uh yeah yeah I, I don't have any problem with you know a good old slide job you know getting up there and taking someone's line away or whatever but you know, slamming people out of the way. It's it's good for the fans, but not good for your friends. So <laughs> Yeah. That's but what no, I said. I, I don't, I don't think you, Yeah, you don't. And I, I I don't think I don't think you uh made an enemy out of Chad from from what I've heard. So Yeah. Well it's just funny too watching the super twins, like all those guys battling at the front. It's like they're all friends. Like they all ride motor together. They like at Volusia this year, Brandon Breyer, Vanderkoy jd davis um meese they yeah. all would pit together and they literally are the top six in the main event it's like dude how do you how do you guys all go i don't know it's it's tough for me i don't i don't know how they do it but, it's weird but um, they still go out there and stuff each other and and make a, a good race yeah. out of it so yep yeah. yep yeah. so that was that um 
one thing I wanted to bring up, kind of just a non Joliet bullshit sesh, is I'm I don't know about you, man, but I get I get there's only 12 riders in Super Twins, and that the aspect of that is really crummy because every rider in Super Twins right now, they're all really good riders. Like mm-hmm. they are all accomplished very fast. And anytime there's something posted about Briar when he wins or JD when he wins, these these fans they say, "Oh, they only beat eleven other riders." It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're gonna take away the credibility from Briar or Meese or JD because they 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 can only race who shows up. It's not on these riders. So, um, yeah. yeah, that part of it sucks. But to take away what talent we have at the top level it's as good as I've ever seen it. And I'm just super bummed and annoyed uh, that the fans are taking that away from the guys at the front. I mean, even though there's 12 guys, they put on a hell of a show. So they can only race who lines up and what situation you think it's on me, or Briar, like the reason we only have 11 guys, 12 guys. So no. uh, it's yeah, 11, I'm, it's I'm, 11 I'm, and 12 of the best that there are. Like it's 11 and 12 are the best period. And even if there was 30, 40 more people, it's probably still going to be the same 11, 12 in the main event um, with, with a few extra sprinkled in, you know, maybe a guy that gets lucky and, you know, gets a whole shot or what, you know, whatever, but it, it's, it's still going to be these guys. They're, they are the best. Um, so right. I, I don't understand. I mean, I, well, get you know, all the, all the, uh, what do you call them boomers or whatever that <laughs> did, did, did it back in the day when there was 170 riders and you could win, but not make the main event, you know, that, that old story that you've heard a trillion times from yeah. your grandfather and great grandfather, but, uh, yeah. the, you know, we could do that too, but, uh, we don't have room in the program. It would go on for two days in order to have that many riders with the way we do it and, and the way these, you know, the way we're set up. And I think that that's why we have, a 450 class and a production twins class you know you're you're kind of you kind of go where you want or where you're comfortable um it doesn't matter if you're in the, the super twins or production or singles they're all hard and it's going to be oh, same, yeah it's, it's going to be the same people you know towards the top because those those are who are the best on those motorcycles that's why it's that way yeah well, I still hear that oh the the super twins isn't the premier class anymore the singles is or and that's horse shit. I mean, all the riders know the baddest dudes, they're in that super twins class. And there are some good riders, obviously, and singles and production and on the couch who could compete with most of the super twins guys. Obviously, the the Meese and the Baumans and and Brandon and Bronson, JD, those guys are elite, elite riders, but there are guys that could compete, but that you know. I don't know. It's the super twins is still the elite class in my eyes. But with that being said, the other two classes, um, especially production twins, I'm not trying to be biased, but there's a lot of good riders in our class. Like there's, I think three singles champions in our class right now in production. So um, the other classes, yeah. I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, well, it's the, stacked, the transfer but, from class to class is not necessarily easy. You know, we, we've got a rider that comes from super twins to singles. Uh, wiles and he's not winning every single race and then you can have singles riders go to the production twins uh and and they don't necessarily win every race and then you can have guys from super twins come to production 
and, and they're not necessarily winning. I mean, who do you have in there from Super Twins? Dan Bromley, wasn't he just a Super Twins rider? And uh, Dalton, Bromley, Dalton yeah. as well. And you know that yeah. doesn't make that doesn't mean they're not a good rider. It just each class is really hard, and you know each class yeah. has the best different. riders in it. So yeah, it's different set of it's it's different racecraft too. Like some riders are better fit, better fitted for the class they're in. Like the 450 is more cutthroat. The DTX bikes handle way different. They step out. The power is obviously way less. Um, the production twins were on the parallel twins. They spin more than the Indians. Uh, there's, there's def- different aspects of that as well than super twins. So yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say what anybody could do in the other classes until they do it. I mean, people can talk, talk that talk, but until they actually come and, and get on a production twin or they get on a single or they get on an Indian, it's uh, it's hard to make those predictions, but no, I just yeah, thought there's, I'd, there's not I'd one that's that easier. I mean, I'd like to believe that if you took Briar and put him in the singles class next week, he, he would be great, but it's not going to be a cakewalk. Like he's still going to have no, to deal with yeah, Dallas and his wife and, you know, any, all the other top riders, he's still going to have to deal with them. He's not just going to run away and win it. And, you know, you can, you can put yeah. Dallas in the super twins class and he, I don't, you know, he's not necessarily going to win the thing and he might not get it last, but it's, it's not as easy as you think, you know, it's not like you're stepping down, you know, class to class or necessarily stepping up. Uh, it's, it's the no, best. It's good. In all three fans, classes. Yeah. And it's good that we have three classes like that. I mean, it makes it, it's different set of excitement for each one. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I appreciate that insight, man. I, I, uh, yeah, it's one of them things I just get on and I'm like, Oh man, here we go. Like, it just bums me out that it takes away from the credibility of the guys I race with and the guys in the other classes. Um, I have a lot of respect for my peers, man. And it just bums me out that their talent level gets taken away sometimes. So, um, yeah, that's about all I got, man. I don't know anything else, anything else to chat about. I mean, we have a few weeks here, uh, till we get back at it, but definitely wanted to, wanted to bring you on chat about the win and chat about the weekend yeah man i appreciate it uh nothing really exciting uh like you said we got a couple weeks off and then we get to go uh get dirty in the the cushion and okc and then back to back right we got another uh a cushion the next weekend at lima right so yeah it's gonna be a fun uh a fun streak of races coming up so it's good to get a little break before and i hope we get a break after very hot and cushion aggressive as hell racetrack. So yeah, if you'll get your money's worth. The fans will for sure. So absolutely. Um, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you coming on. I'll, uh, I'll chat with you here soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. All right, Butler. See ya. All right. That's a wrap on episode 60 freaking banger show. So much fun. Uh, I want to make sure we shout out the sponsors, make this happen. Bell power sports, check out bell helmets to view their full line of products Yamaha, newest sponsor of the pod. Really appreciate their support of the series and our podcast. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Yamaha revs your heart. Moto America, Road America, June 11th to 13th. Check them out. Junior Cup, King of Baggers, Hona Superbike, Super Sport, Stock 1000, and Twins Cup. You can't catch the action live. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the Live Plus package. We talk about it a lot, but it's literally awesome coverage. And um, hit them up on social media. They do a lot of really cool stuff on social media. DID chain at DID chain. All the major supercross teams, flat track, road racing, use the DID chain 
The results don't lie. If you're curious on what chain is best for your application, hit up DID chain on social media. Jerry Stinchfield, my man, Jerry, hooking us up, helping us out every show, making it happen. We appreciate him. Nearly 40 years of experience, commercialroofsystems.net, commercial and industrial roofing company. Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, we appreciate the support. Michael, Rob Fox, everybody at Dunlop coming on, supporting our podcast, DunlopMotorcycleTires.com. AIM Sports, at AIM Sports Data, the world leader in data acquisition. Solo 2, look it up, Game Changer, GPS, Lab Timer, all kinds of data that proves very, very helpful on race day. I hate that. Well, I don't hate, but it's tough for me to um, talk about the AIM Sports Data because it was a it was a secret of mine for so long, how, how well they are, how well they work. And, um, but it's time to get the word out. So aim sports data, check them out. Hanum's Harley Davidson, Tommy Hanum. So big supporter of racing, a racer himself. He's always at the track riding and racing on the weekends. It's good to go and support a Harley dealer who is a rider and a racer 65 years in business. One zero one, one West Baltimore Pike media, Pennsylvania. Check them out on Facebook and their website at hanumshd.com. And last but not least, there's a big event coming up in Tacoma, uh, yeah, Tacoma, Washington, sorry. Tacoma, Washington, Dino Days Race. There is uh, a lot of really cool stuff involved with this event. Vintage racing, uh, Riverdale Raceway, and I want to say it's Tuttle, Total Washington, um, for more information, hit up Tony Fox, 253-376-2527, TacomaMC.com, T-A-C-O-M-A-M-C. Um, Saturday, they're having an open traction TT with a $5,000 pro purse. And then Sunday, they're having the Vintage Motocross, um, the Buck Murphy Memorial Evo GP. Sounds like a freaking good time. Uh, too bad Washington is little far for me to travel on an off weekend. Actually, I think that might even be a race weekend for us. But if I was anywhere, Mississippi River and West, I'd be in, in Tacoma. So uh, if you have any questions about that event, hit me up and I will send you the flyer. So Dino Days Racing. And we have some really cool events coming up. Western Ohio Motorsports, June 9th, Van Wert, Ohio. Check out Western Ohio Motorsports on Facebook for more information. That's a wrap, man. We're back at it. Uh, we're trying to get these out every week now that i'm i'm back in town for a bit we're going to try and get a couple of these out and uh and and get them ready for you guys we appreciate the support of the podcast subscribe on itunes spotify soundcloud all that stuff leave us a review good or bad just leave us one we want to hear what we're doing right what we're doing wrong and hit us up on social trying to uh, put out some good social content appreciate my good friend Jalen Norris for helping me out with that. And uh, everybody else that kind of plugs in and helps out with my pod. I appreciate it. That's a wrap on it. Till next time, we out. <laughs>